Do you want to read the theme song with me? Yeah. Uh, you can read over it real quick. And for any time it says, like, that thing with James, I'd like you to say your name instead of James. Okay. And then instead of that's me, we'll say that's us. Okay. Don't worry about if you screw up. That's okay. fine. We're reading it or you're singing it? Uh, we can, like, read it together, kind of like a chant sort of thing. Okay. But I'm just like, if you wanted to read it over first or anything. Let's just go for it. Okay. One, two, three. Can, can you, you hear, hear it with, with your ears? Can you see it with your eyes? Can you feel it wiggling between your quivering thighs? That thing, that thing, that thing with Giselle. <laughs> Once every millennium, something will come along. When you feel it, you will know it. Because it's coming on strong. That thing... That thing, that thing with Giselle. <laughs> Sit back, relax, deep breaths, no stress. Let me come inside your mind. I promise you it won't take long. The change will happen soon. You will feel something so special growing deep within you. That thing, that thing, that thing. With Giselle's that thing, that thing, that thing with, with Giselle. That's us. us. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Welcome to episode. Oh, hold on. Welcome to episode 44 of that thing with James J. Asher II. I'm your host, James J. Asher II, and returning for her second appearance on the podcast is... Giselle Marie Munoz. Had to think about that last name for a second. <laughs> I've had a couple. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone ever ask you, like, your age and then you forget how old you are, especially after your birthday? Sometimes, but not as often as when someone asks my husband, because mm. we are the same age for like maybe two weeks oh, and yeah. we're born in the same year, but I'm like the first week and he's the last week of the year. So oh, I, so you're older. Yes, I you're am. You're a cradle robber. Cradle robber? <laughs> by two weeks. <laughs> not, not by, no, by like <laughs> 11 and a half months. Oh, okay. So I'm in the very beginning of the year, and he's at the very end of the year. Oh, of the same I year. see. So since it since it wraps around, since time wraps around, <laughs> it's like we're two weeks apart. Yeah, but we're not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so him more than me. Yeah. Time or age. Like getting. when you're telling someone his age or he has. When someone child. asks him what his age is, he thinks he's my age. Oh, he's right. Not quite there, honey. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, his birthday's coming up next month and we'll be Twinkies for a hot second. Twinkies? Twins. <laughs> yeah. So the last time you were here, um, you were here to promote the Austin Art House. Film Festival. Yes. So 
how do you feel it went the second year? Because last time we kind of talked, you, you, you and Liz kind of talked a bit about like stuff you learned from doing the first year. Mm-hmm. What did you learn from this second year? Oh, wow. Um, Liz and I had a powwow at the bar like right after and we're like, okay, these are the things we're going to do differently. Let's keep this. Let's do this. And we can't do this anymore. So we had selected more films this year and we broke them up into three chunks, three uh, blocks of films. And it seemed very long. It was pretty long. We had breaks, but we didn't. We didn't like take time to take the breaks. It was like we had the Q&A. So we did Q&As after each block with the filmmakers that were there, um, as you know, because you participated, (laughs) Um, which we didn't do last the year before. We had um, red carpet interviews, right? um, which I think a lot of the filmmakers liked. But I think it was really great for everyone in the moment to hear what everybody had to say. Um, So... Everybody went along and introduced themselves and what they did in the project. And then we opened it up to questions, <clears throat> which I think was really great. And that's pretty much what we see at all of the film festivals anyway. Mm. Um, so I think we'd like to stick with that. We, I think our dream is to like take over AFS for a full day or even a weekend and just like boom, boom, boom. Right. But we need to make sure that it's um, that everybody can hang in there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What's the word I'm looking for? It's not sustainable. Oh. Um, not substantial. Sustenance that everyone. <laughs> sustenance. <laughs> Provide sustenance. For- I mean, you know, my dream is to once we get funding, which hasn't happened um, yet, grants and such, um, like, I want to have the film. I want to, like, take care of their airfare and their hotel oh, and yeah. food. And it would be awesome to provide food for everyone. AFS does have a little mini bar. They have a beautiful bar and um, some snacks are available. Mm-hmm. And I think they used to have food on their menu, um, which doesn't they don't do anymore. But we'd have to like partner up with somebody, and I don't know. Right. So Some like type we of have catering. Yeah, yeah, and there's people nearby, and there's local businesses that we can get in with, um, and that's down the line for sure. But mm-hmm. um, we want to start showcasing feature films. Oh yeah. So we're taking a break this year, 2020, and we're moving it to the beginning of 2021 in January when there's less. Things going on in Austin. Right. October is like Austin is awesome because there's so much shit going on Mm -hmm. all of the time. Oh, yeah. All of the time. When I first moved here, I was like, this is an amusement park for adults. Like there's so much fun. There's so much music, so much art going on, so much food and drinks everywhere. Mm -hmm. I want to do it all. And we can't. There's literally so much every week. Yeah. (laughs) And so January, you know, people are recovering from the holidays and getting ready for the new year. And I think everyone will want to get cozy in the theater. Mm. So that's the plan. You know, things change and we have like 13 months till that happens. But 
we want to we want to showcase a couple of features and and maybe not as many shorts. Mm-hmm. Um, provide actual breaks in between, and I want to get food in people's bellies so they're comfortable. You know, right? Yeah, right. And and that would definitely necessitate it being like a full day affair, though, right? It or- would because I think AFS has recommended that we stick to one theater and i i think that you know it's just so that they can continue on with their programming um so it would have to be like a full day yeah especially if you're putting in features and stuff yeah maybe taking time between each block because if we did i wouldn't want anybody to miss anything you know yeah we have film festivals that are a week long and things are happening simultaneously and it's like oh they're both really great films at which one do I go to and you have to choose right and I wouldn't want to put anyone in a position where they're missing out on anything like South by where two films you might want to see are playing at the same time at two different venues Mm -hmm. yeah god I you know the Ritz downtown on 6th street the Mm -hmm. uh, draft house Ritz with the two theaters as well yeah right I used to be a food runner there oh really yeah um South by 2014 I worked like doubles clopening for like two That's weeks, so fucked. like one day off. And there were, there were some people that were really nice. You, do you, are you familiar with the comedian, um, Hannibal Burris? Yeah. I got to serve him some like, well, I, I didn't serve him, but I, he requested some like chicken wings and he gave me a thumbs up and was like really nice to me in the brief exchange that we had. But that was such a relief because there were so many out-of-towners that literally would snap at me. Oh, no. And treat me like shit. Like the the help. It's the worst. I think everybody should have one day of being a server or a food runner. Absolutely. So that they um, stop being assholes. Yeah. And learn to treat everybody with respect. It's extremely humbling. Absolutely. Doing service industry. Absolutely. It's kind of like how... uh, Switzerland or Israel will have like, um, um, oh, what's mandatory military service for the citizens? You know, they do that. I didn't know they do that. They do that. I'm pretty sure Switzerland does. I met a Swiss dude who said they do. But I know for sure Israel does that where everyone has to serve like, I think, at least two years in the military. Everyone. Unless you've got like some like disability that would exempt you. And um, I think that's. A similar approach should be definitely taken for a service industry for everyone to know what it's like to pick up someone else's trash. Absolutely. And be treated poorly in work and (laughs) terrible conditions. It's really hard. Um, It's hard when you're not getting paid well and you're in that environment. And it's hard when, you know, (laughs) I was just watching an episode of Key and Peele. That's like I've been watching them. I finally had a chance to just like, okay, season one, here we go. And any chance I get, I'll watch a couple of their skits. They're fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah. They are so fucking funny. And I'm so excited that I get to laugh at their shit. Uh, But anyway, last night there was a a skit with, um, and it was basically Kevin came in and he's like, oh, yeah, treating people like shit. Like, oh, he's just a server. Like, you can treat people like shit like that. And it's like. But no, because we're providing a service. Yeah. We, you know, we are working our asses off. Oh, yeah. We're getting you what you want, what you more want than need, probably. But also, there are 
30 other tables in here that need the same service. So it's just... And and you're definitely not getting paid enough and you have barely any, if any at all, benefits. Right. I, my, during the handful of service jobs I've had, I always viewed them as a vicious cycle. You never have enough money to make a living. And at the same time, you never have enough time to find a better job. Or do what you really want to do. Or do what you really want to do. It is an absolutely vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So treat, you know, if you go to a restaurant or any kind of service industry place, treat the people with respect and decency. Otherwise, you're kind of a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in general, like, can't we just be kind to each other? It's harder to not be kind to somebody, I think. It is. Because I've been mad and it's a lot of energy (laughs) to like purposely treat people like shit. (laughs) It's not fun. (laughs) Yeah. Although it is fun fun like if you're doing it with like with friends you know if you're like roasting someone no it's fun to roast if it's like a mutually (laughs) agreed roasting (coughs) you know like playful as long as you're not saying like something intentionally hurtful like emily was getting upset earlier because she slips into a texas x and every now and then like she'll say something and she got extremely upset and she told our our resident (laughs) ghost to uh torture me while she's at work today (laughs) It's like, well, you know, you sometimes when you're real tired or something, you might say a word with that certain twang. Oh, but that's sweet. It is. Isn't it? Yeah. I want to have a twang. Oh, bless your heart. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's take a quick break and get back into it. Excellent. I've got some other questions I want to ask from the last visit. Okay. That inspired me. Cool. Be right back. See ya. And we're back. Okay, so I want to ask some questions about you. Okay. Um, I've been wondering, you, you kind of mentioned last time that your parents are immigrants. Mm-hmm. Where from? They are from Cali, Colombia in South America. So you're Colombian. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're, so they're both from the same town? Did they know each other prior to moving to the U.S.? Um, yes. Because um, they were dating for a little bit, and then my dad went off to go discover the world, I think. And then he came here, and it was one of those things like, okay, if you're going to be here, then you have to serve. Mm -hmm. And so this was in the 60s, and um, I think he got a little bit scared, and he came back to Colombia and wasn't, I think they had, my parents had broken up. And my mom was telling me that his mom, my grandma Sarita, um, called my mom Lucia and was like, hey, so just so you know, William is back from the US, come have lunch with us. And my mom was like, what, why the hell would I come and have lunch with you guys? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, we're not together <laughs> anymore. And um, I don't know if she ended up having lunch with them, but. My dad came knocking on her door and convinced her to come back to the U.S. with her. Um, I guess he had received a letter at home in Cali saying, like, hey, if you don't if you don't sign up, like, don't even work. Don't come back to the U.S. Right. And this is Vietnam. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes, I think. I'm terrible with dates and history. Um, so he ended up going and then um, he... He actually served in the military. No, he served in the military. He didn't go to Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Something happened where he didn't have to go, but he brought my mom back the day after they got married. They ended up getting married in Cali. Mm -hmm. And then they came over here and like... It was one of those things like, okay, Monday morning, 8 a.m., and they flew out. They flew to Mexico. I think back then, like, you had to go through Mexico to, to go to, to California on that flight. And, um, and like, their plane, like, smoke was billowing. Oh, my God. And they had to do an emergency landing. And so, like, he they had asked the airline, can you write a letter and, and let, like... The U.S. Army know that like I'm gonna be late. Yeah, <laughs> like, I can't, I can't like meet the deadline because I'm not in the U the U.S. So, um, they had to like the airline hooked them up with a hotel room and like people had to share rooms. So like the night of their wedding, they like shared oh my God. A room with somebody else. Some and, honeymoon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my dad's like, what the fuck? And my mom's like, it's cool. <laughs> and um. And so they got there, I think, the following day, and everything was, uh, they, like, pardoned him, and he signed up. And then um, we have family that was living in Buena Park, which is so funny because that's where I ended up living right before I left there with my family, my where, husband and Where's daughter. Buena Park? Buena Park is um, where Knott's Berry Farm is, so it's, like... Kind of the heart of Orange County, California. Um, are you familiar with Knotts and the Peanut Gang and Charlie Brown? I know Charlie Brown. And yeah. isn't Knotts a... Don't they make juice? Um, so I think their thing was jam. Okay. Knotts Berry Farm. Mm-hmm. So jam and cookies and I'm sure juice. Mm-hmm. And then it, it became an attraction with like a roller coaster, and then it started to expand. Huh. Um, so that was not even very far from Disneyland, actually. Is and that like, like neighboring cities almost? Is Knotts like where Peanuts is set? Yeah. Oh, I and had like no Snoopy, idea. Snoopy is like the mascot of oh, Knotts Berry Farm. That's cute. So Disneyland is like the Disney characters. And then I think here too, Six Flags is like Bugs Bunny, Looney Tunes, Looney yeah. Tunes. yeah, yeah. All those. When's the last cats. time you went to Six Flags? Man, I actually did. I just go? No. I went to Six Flags in like my early twenties. I was in college, and we had some family in from Colombia. So my my parents made me and some cousins take them, and I refused to go on any rides. <laughs> How old were you? I was like 20, 20. <laughs> and I just sat there reading my Tom Robbins book. Oh, what Tom Robbins book. I love book. him so much. He got me like loving reading in college. Oh, yeah. Um, it was probably like Jitterbug Perfume. Yep. It was probably that or like Still Life with Woodpecker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so anyway, my parents... They got married in Colombia, in mm -hmm. Cali. They moved to the U.S. My dad was in the service for a couple of years, got discharged. He, they were living in Colorado. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then they moved back down to California and had three kids. And I am the the third of their You're the baby. Kids. I'm the little baby. The baby. I'm the very spoiled baby only girl of the family. Isn't being the baby the best? I mean, it was. And now that I think of it in retrospect, I'm like, man, I got out of so much shit that I really should have not have gotten out of. that could have taught me so many like life lessons and habits and skills that I would feel much better about in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm like, it, it, I mean, it really was like everything was done for me or I was told exactly how to do something. So for me, I was like always on vacation, but then like as a human being and an adult who is a wife and a mother, like I'm managing a lot of things and if I didn't, I didn't get that practice growing up, mm-hmm. like, I know that a lot of people don't know what they're doing, although I always felt like everybody knew exactly what they were doing, mm-hmm. mostly because, ugh, we're going to get into some things. Um, like, my parents being immigrants never questioned authority, and they were very, like, whatever anybody said was how it went. Right. So I didn't know how to do that. <clears throat> And I had all of these rules and all of these parameters. And so I just went with the way everything was going. So, um, so I've had a hard time actually transitioning into adulthood. And it's been some years since I've been an, an adult. But it, I just think of my parenting and how, um, I mean, my parents did everything. They, they really did everything for me, but they did their best and they everything was out of love right. and protection. And so having my own child, I'm like, okay, I, I see the, the, the pros and the cons and the challenges with certain things. So I'm going to guide my daughter a little bit differently so that she can have some of these skills earlier on in life. Mm-hmm. And that way... Um, she can be self-sufficient. She doesn't have to depend on anyone and doesn't expect things to be done. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, I don't have, have to do the dishes. <laughs> like, well, how come that's not, you know, um, and to like do her part. Yeah. So, and like literally I'm teaching, you know, I've been teaching myself at the same time and it's been very challenging yet rewarding and humbling. And, um, you know, I don't think it's ever too late to do anything or to improve on anything or to learn new skills. But Mm -hmm. I know that we all have our different challenges and I just don't want my daughter to have the same ones I had, but I'll be available for her for the ones that she has. Right. I mean, so I know like, are you the baby? I am. That's why you said it like that. Yeah. Okay. What's your experience being the baby? Very much the baby. So, um, I have a brother and a sister. They're both half siblings. My, my sister has a different mom. My brother has a different dad. Um, and then it's a little complicated, but it'll make sense. Um, so my dad is 10 years older than my mom. So they both had one previous marriage each before they met each other and had me. Um, so my sister is 22 years older than me and my brother is 11 years older than me so um by the time i came around my sister's already out right and then by the time i'm like five or six my brother's moving out of the Mm -hmm. house so it was almost kind of like you were the only child only child yeah 
And as also, I'm the only byproduct of my parents' marriage. Um, so, um, I, 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 I love my parents for sure. Um, and I feel like the older I get, um, the more I understand, um, just sort of the context of what it is, what it means to be a parent, um, you know, understanding the age at which they had their children, me and their, their daughter or son, my mm -hmm. siblings. Um, and just, uh, it, it's been difficult for me to become an adult as well, for sure. Absolutely. Is it hard for everyone or just us babies? <laughs> <laughs> I Probably. Think, I don't know. So my siblings. <coughs> Excuse me. So I felt like, um, and and I don't, I certainly don't mean this in a way of like in a disparaging way of my parents, but they they tended to be a bit strict, and there were some things oh, that I didn't get, and absolutely still some things 100 I, I still don't same. get. But my my siblings both say to me, they're like, "Oh, dude, you had it easy. You had it easy because they were not in their twenties when they had me. They're in their." 30s and 40s, yeah. respectively. Um, and I can definitely tell, like, they said I, I had it a lot easier and that I did get spoiled more than them. Um, I wouldn't say I got entirely spoiled. Yeah. Um, I'd say that my parents did the best they could. Um, and I think they did pretty damn well. That's awesome. Um, and, you know, try to provide and Absolutely. make me happy yeah. while also not spoiling me so much that I don't know how to do things. Like, they made sure that I did chores. Yes, my, my mom was very much all about that and how much I argued with that like, right. every time. And, yeah. like, my dad taught me um, how to manage my finances, how to balance a checkbook. Mm -hmm. And, like, when I would do chores and stuff... At the time, it used to cause me so much anxiety. Like, I would just cry. And I've got anxiety disorder anyway. Uh, but that would just, like, when I when he would, like, sit me down and try to teach me uh, fiduciary responsibilities, mm -hmm. I would just cry. It would stress me out so much. Uh, it was just so scary. Um, I don't know why, but it just was. Um, but now looking back, um, I think specifically what he had me do was really fucking cool. So um, I would do housework, especially when we moved to Oklahoma, because I'm originally from Denver. Okay. Born in 80, December 15th, 1987. You're a December baby and an 80s. Yay. And you're Sag, right? I'm... Wait, Cap what's your birthday? Cappy. I'm January. Jan January 8th. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, um, born in Denver. And then when I was... Um, six, we moved to central New Jersey. And then when I was 10, closer to 11, we moved to a very, very small town in Oklahoma. It's the town my dad's from originally. Oh, okay. Um, so my dad was a stay at home dad for, um, I'd say like half of my youth. Awesome. Um, and then my mom was like the breadwinner, um, she worked for AT&T um, until it got broken up for being a monopoly in the late 90s. She got out just before they got broken up. And um, and she had a pretty big, pretty high up job. Like, that's the reason we moved to New Jersey is because she was working at headquarters for marketing. 
Um, and, and she was gone a lot on business. Like she was working all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad had worked all the time. He was, he'd had several different jobs, but he made, um, I, I think like his main like adult career was a lot of accounting stuff. So he was an accountant, which, so it makes sense that later on, um, my mom said, I, I don't want to do corporate anymore. We need to reinvent our lives. I'm not happy. Um, Good for her. We love New Jersey, but it's expensive, yeah. especially in the town we were in. Um, and I never really lived around family before. And my mom's family is kind of like, they don't keep in touch too much. And they're kind of all over the, the U.S. and a few different countries. But my dad, like that family is a lot of them's in Oklahoma and a lot of them are in that, in that hometown. Um, so they wanted me to grow up around family. And so we moved there out to the country. It's serious culture shock for me. It was very, 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 very difficult to like get friends, Mm -hmm. social life. Cause New Jersey, like when I moved to Oklahoma, I had an accent. So, um, yeah. Wow. And the, you know, it was tough. The kids, they'd call me crazy and shit. Like it was, they were really mean. We, you're not yanked from around here. We don't like you, you know, call me fag, Mary worshiper. Cause I'm Catholic, well, oh, raised Catholic, gosh. so on and so forth. Yeah. That's, raised that's, Catholic that's too. another podcast. Yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, you Man. know, we lived out in the country, had pretty big yard and so I had to learn how to do yard work. I know mm. how to do good manual labor. And part of that, great. Um, I didn't, I've never gotten a, um, oh, what's it called? A, an allowance. I've never gotten that. I always get chores and I, I get paid for the chores. And he'd have me that negotiate a price. Of course, it was like the easiest negotiation ever. <laughs> negotiate a price. And then at the end of the chore, um, write an invoice invoice him he'd write me a check he helped me um open up a bank account uh checking and savings accounts um so i'd take the check cash it so on and so forth cool so at the time doing the money stuff really stressed me out yeah um even in high school uh, i wouldn't cry in high school but it would get my adrenaline pumping and um but now it's like that's really fucking handy Absolutely. and I'm not so freaked out. Yeah. And especially now that I'm 31, almost 32, I've got, thankfully right now I've got a little more stability. I'm not like scared <laughs> to <Yeah. laughs> look at my bank account. Cause I definitely remember in my twenties, like you, I'm sure you can remember the stress of like, I do not want to look at my balance right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I just keep going, then I'll be fine. But if I look and see what's actually there or not there, uh, then... <laughs> <laughs> what's there or not there? You want to take another quick break? Sure. Awesome. We're back again. Hi. And can I take something all the way back to your first question that I didn't really answer? Absolutely. About how do I feel how the second Austin Art House Film Festival was? I think it was great. I think we had quality work. I just wanted more people to be there. Right. The first year was so exciting. I was so excited. We were just doing this experiment and people came out and like the lobby was packed and we were so excited. So I wanted it to be like out the doors. Right. Um, we did do it on a Monday 
we did it like we started really early at 530. Um, so I know that some circumstances weren't the same, but I was like, oh, where is I want like everybody to be here. Full house. Full house. Yeah. Um, we didn't do bad at all. I mean, people were there and we got our ticket number sales from the AFS office and it was good. It was great. Um, I also had been like doing back to back theater productions all year and had a show that weekend four shows that weekend and then like woke up and was like, okay, here's the next thing. So I think I was out of it. I think by the end of the night, I was like, (coughs) (laughs) (coughs) see, um, and like feeling terrible, but I think overall it was a great event and we have new people in our community. Um, we are building this beautiful community of filmmakers and art lovers and so excited for year three so excited it was really cool getting to meet people from all around yeah what was your experience being being there and i'm sure you've gone to a few film festivals not really okay no um i i i made acquaintance with a few of the other uh filmmakers and i ran into some people i know from here around town which was it's always great to run into someone you know and get along with yes absolutely (laughs) (laughs) um but I, I, I like that. I've got new uh, friends like on Instagram, basically. And um, it's just it's nice to know people. I like to know people in places because you never know when you might end up somewhere. Yo, for sure. You know, it's like one of the best things I think is having friends everywhere. Absolutely. And then you get to rendezvous with them. Oh, yeah. Over there. And if like sometimes if you get like. And some kind of layover or something. It's like, I need somewhere to crash, maybe. Yeah. You know, it's nice to have. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. So, yeah. I, I thought it was a great experience. And I got to meet, like, people from, from Brazil. Yes. Which was awesome. Some Canadians. Yep. It was awesome. So, so cool. I had a great time. I really enjoyed it. Yay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I want to ask you about... Um, Two subjects. Okay. New York and um, acting. Mm-hmm. So you you lived in New York for a time, right? For a hot second, I got to go to school. Can you tell I got to go to school um, in New York? Yes. So what, what brought you out there? And like, when were you there? How long? So um, I'm going to tie in that other subject, acting. Mm-hmm. Growing up, I was a performer. I grew up in a family of artists. Uh, My father is a painter, my brothers are musicians, and I was a dancer. So performing was a big part of my life and I enjoyed it very much. And somewhere in my childhood, I don't know if it was like watching Star Search, I was like, not that actors went on Star Search, but I was like, I want to be an actor. I want to be on stage. I want to be in the movies. I want to do commercials. And there was just something about it that I'm like, I want to do that. All growing up. But I was actually very scared to do it. Mm -hmm. And um, I took a couple acting classes in college that didn't go anywhere. And I think it was just good for me to see like, wow, other people really know what they're doing. And they're very good at it. Cool. Um, maybe it'll rub off on me. 
Um, <clears throat> I graduated from college with a degree in communications in the entertainment studies. Mm -hmm. So I got to learn about public relations, uh, about the music industry, um, a little bit about journalism, and... I was always like enthralled with the biz and entertainment and um, storytelling. And I lived in Southern California, so it was very close by. Mm -hmm. um, while I was in college, my cousin, what up, Janine? She and I were very close growing up, and we still are. I love my cousins. They were a big part of my upbringing, and um, so we were close, and she was doing a bunch of uh, extra work. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, what's that? That sounds <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> so she got me into it, and like I would just see these pictures of her, and she'd be on cool sets, and she was in the SAG nominating committee, and we'd go to all the Q&As, and we'd meet. Sometimes we'd meet people, and other times we were just there, and that was just so exciting for me. So I got into it, and then I got into SAG just doing a handful of, like, smaller um, projects that in California, it's a union state, so instead of there being, as in Texas, a bunch of non-union actors doing union work, first they bring in union actors to do the union work, and then mm -hmm. they fill in the rest. So anyway, I was a non-union extra, and I got to work with my dog. I love my dog. Tyson was my boy. I got him in sixth grade. He passed away when I was, I think, in early early college years. Um, but I got to take him to set, and he had, you know, catering is, when you go on a good set, oh, the catering yes. is the shit. It's the best it's thing. It's so wonderful. <laughs> So my dog got to eat that food and Ooh. he was in his like last, you know, not days, but his later on in his life. And he got, he got, I don't know, I'm not speaking proper English, but he was treated very well on set. There was like seven of us and it was that one movie with Jennifer, what's her Garner? Yes. Mm -hmm. And Ben Affleck. It was a superhero movie, I think. Uh, the Shadow? Mm, Electra, I think. Electra. Electra. I don't know. I'm familiar with that one. Electra. So <laughs> look into it. We'll both look into it because I, I don't even know if I've seen the movie. But anyway, we get to do a few days there and and it was really great. And with the extra work, you have to work a certain amount of non-union or a certain amount of union mm -hmm projects before you can pay in to be in in the in the union and so that's what I did and I was like I don't know maybe I'll get I want to go to the I want to go to all the movies and I want to get the movies sent to my house just like my cousin did like that was the why I wanted to be in the union <laughs> it wasn't like I'm gonna work be a working actor and be in like incredible projects I wasn't thinking that far so I became a union member like 15 years ago and ended up getting married, having a baby and moving to Austin, Texas. And I wasn't acting. I wasn't doing anything like that. I was a stay at home mom. And then um, my husband's also an artist and 
My husband's an artist. He's a visual artist. His name is Kevin Munoz. Beautiful work. And uh, I turned 30 and he was like, baby, happy birthday. Listen, I know that you've been wanting to act. Why don't you take acting lessons? And so for my birthday, on my 30th birthday, that night I went and took my first acting lesson class. And it was at the State Theater. Mm -hmm. Um, The Actors School is what they're called now. And they moved over to the ACC Highland. Mm -hmm. But I took a handful of classes with with that program first, like when I was 30. So... I thought it was really cool. My husband was very um, supportive of me finding something that I wanted to do, giving myself time to do it, to like fulfill this creative need that I didn't, that I had. I needed to fulfill this thing within me that mm-hmm. I wasn't getting. And I was um, at home with a baby and I wasn't working. Did, you, did, you, to- did you feel like a sort of like a tug on your heart when you weren't doing it. Did you ever have that kind of feeling like? Yeah, absolutely. And and I get that tug when I see other people doing it and doing it well. And I'm yeah. like, that's the thing. Like, that's the thing. Like it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I hadn't really done much. So I, but I knew that that's where I wanted to spend my time and my energy was to like build a craft in that type of storytelling. Mm-hmm. So I started doing that. And then I started looking around at like, okay, what is Austin like? What is their acting community like? What are they up to? What are they filming here? So slowly I started learning about the community here and trying to figure out where I fit in in that And then I went to a workshop that SAG put on, and it was uh, one evening with this gentleman from New York City. His name is Tom Totteroff. And I sat in this workshop, and I saw three people do a monologue. I don't even know if I knew what a monologue was. I'm sure I did. But um, it was probably new to me. And I just, everything he was saying was making me cry. Because it was about living life and living being like your authentic self mm-hmm. and fighting for what you want and doing the work. And I'm like, these are all things that I need in my life right now. So I went home to my husband and I was crying. I'm like, there's this thing where I can go to New York for one week and I can take all these classes from all these professionals. And I think like, I really want to do this. And I know, like, I don't know how I can do it, but I really want to. And my husband is just, like, has a heart of gold. And um, I know before we got married, he liked me for a really long time and was really patient with me (laughs) until, like, one day I was like, yeah, you. You're the one that I want to, like, make dinner and, like, um, you know, be with. So so he's, he's always been, like, a... Go Giselle, you know, like pro Giselle. And um, I think that's very cool. So he was like, well, then if you want to do it, I think you should do it. So it was like, oh, my gosh, I've never been away from my family. I'm going to be gone for a whole week. I'm going to New York City, which I loved. And I had gone as a child. I had family there. And in college, my friend Summer Parker and I would go and just like, see bands but we didn't really know where to go in New York so we would just wander around and like see the 
art and um and it was cool and then I got a job at home size pizza somewhere along the like um finding time to take acting classes I got a job and it was the first job that I had since being a parent so my daughter was in kindergarten by then and I was like I need to learn how to speak to other adults because I don't know how to be with other people right now (laughs) and I got a job at home size pizza and there's this incredible perk that if you've been there for a year or so, you go to New York. They take you to New York. They take care of everything. You go on a food tour. You eat your way through the city. You get to learn about the bona fide businesses that are there, the people that run them. And that's what Home Slice is. So they're like, well, let's go to the motherland. Mm-hmm. Jen Strickland is from upstate New York. And they're like, this is where it's from. Home size is her childhood. Her husband, Joseph, and their partner, Terry, created this place. I was already going there so much as a customer and participated in one of their carnival hands on an eggplant sub. Stood there for 13 hours because I was going to get food for my family for a whole year like that's how I was like how can I take care of my family I know I'll stand in the cold for many many hours and I will win I will be a winner and we will have free pizza for a year didn't win but I did win because I made friends out of not so much the people I was like holding the eggplant sub with but with the people that worked there I'm like these people are awesome I love them all and I want to hang out with them a year later, I finally went in to go turn in my application and have an interview, and then they hired me, and um, I got to go. I don't know why I say it like that, but I think it's because it's more exciting. I got to go and do this. Um, That's a really cool thing. You don't get it at your job. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I loved New York, and I remember calling my family and going, I was in um, Brooklyn. Uh, Carroll Gardens is my favorite. It's so dreamy. And called my parent, my parents. I probably didn't call my parents. I called my husband and, and daughter and was crying and saying, one day we're going to live here. So I think I did that before I went, ended up going to, uh, I have to get my timeline straight. But yeah, I, I did. I must. Yeah, I went to New York with Home Size Pizza, fell in love with New York City, mm-hmm. and then I ended up, my husband was like, do the acting thing. Go to New York for a week. So I'm contradicting myself because when I was in New York with Home Slice Pizza, I was away from my family. So anyway, it had been a really long time since I was away from my family to be gone for a whole week to go to New York City. But I had friends there and I had a place to stay. And I had this incredible experience where I got to work with professionals in the industry that are working actors and coaches on Broadway, in film, um, on stage, doing all sorts of cool shit and came home just like, oh my, I don't know what just happened, but I think I'm like waking up for the first time in my life. I think I've been asleep this whole time. And um, I met some incredible people that summer and Tom and his people, they were lovely and we kept in touch. And so this was in 2013 
And they were like, hey, so we're getting ready to um, start our conservatory for the next year. And we really think that you should come and do it. And I'm like, (laughs) 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 that's funny. You guys are so sweet. But how the hell am I going to do that? Number one, I'm a mom. Mm -hmm. Number two, I'm not. I probably mm, I I don't have money saved up to go to New York and go to school in New York and live in New York. And um and yeah, I'm a mom. So Right. Thank you. You guys are so sweet. <clears throat> but I mean, I my family's not going to move to New York, so I don't I'm not going to be able to do it. And then lots of thinking and lots of conversations with them and lots of conversations with my husband and like talking to my parents about this huge thing and they accepted me into their conservatory. I picked up three jobs and my husband and I made an agreement that I would go and, and live this incredible life and come home and, and uh, we'd continue on. So this was, I was in the third ensemble of the Tom Todorov Acting Conservatory. So it was a relatively new school it was in the heart of Manhattan in Midtown. And my family said, go, mama, go. We love you. Come back soon. Have a wonderful time. There were so many conversations about them coming with me, with maybe my daughter just coming with me. And um, it was decided that they're going to be home here, mm-hmm. comfortable in my daughter's rhythm of the school that she absolutely loves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned how to live in New York City by myself. I was having a long distance relationship with my husband and daughter. And I was a 30 year old woman doing something for herself for the first time. I was like 33 or 34. Mm-hmm. And I lived in New York City for eight months and I came home once a month to just like touch my family and like we're here we're here right like i love you we're good do your thing go get them take care of yourself and it was really fucking hard but it was all out of love and it was all out of also teaching again my daughter and myself at the same time to not live other people's expectations and to do anything that you want and that you can have anything you want you just have to work for it so i my daughter will never think that because she's a mom that she can't do anything yeah she will never think that um she got an iPad. She herself bought an iPad. Uh, I don't know why we made her buy one. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember she had some money saved up. And I mean, we should have just done it. But um, so I got to see her every morning. We woke up together. And um, she was just getting into the Harry Potter books. So throughout oh, the whole God, yeah. two years, um, I would read. I would read Harry Potter to her at night. And it was like 90% of the time I could read a bedtime story to her. Mm-hmm. And then um, she would follow along. So she would have a book. I'd get the book from the library. She would have a book. And we'd read together. So 
that's how we and we sent letters and boxes of stuff to each other like we had to get creative about keeping our relationship thriving mm-hmm. and there were times where um it was really exciting and there were times where it was really sad um the program is heavy it's monday through friday um and it's awesome so part of the reason why my husband was like you know i don't know if it would be a a good idea for us to go because you wouldn't be able to focus on your rigorous schedule and all of the work that you need to do and um that was the right thing to do i think for that so that i could be focused on on my work um, you know, and I made friends that I have lifelong friends and, um, man, I, I was like thinking of a way to not have to pay rent. Right. And I was trying so hard to be a house sitter, like a professional house sitter <laughs> yeah, and dog sitter. And it was so hard to tap into that market. Oh yeah. Nobody cared. I mean, I had like profiles and like me holding chickens, taking care, you know, pictures of me taking care of all the animals that I ever have in my life to be like, I'm trustworthy and will totally care for your place and your animals. Nobody cared. Too many of us trying to do that. I think. Yeah. And I'm like, there's gotta be a way to live in New York and not like be totally like somehow like, like have some kind of like survivable rent and survive more yeah. than survive. You know what I mean? Like thrive, there's thrive. Yeah. So I'm jumping a little bit, but my first year in New York, I was all about learning how to live in New York and surviving. And then my second year, I mean, like I fucking had it made. I had a an awesome little teeny tiny room that was furnished in the heart of Chelsea. I didn't have to like take the subway anywhere. Like I could walk everywhere. Um, I got a job at a restaurant. It was the only restaurant that like gave me the time of day and it was right before the holidays. And I was like, well, you know, I have to go home once a month and I'm home for the holidays and I'm home for summer. And um, so the weekends were the only time I was working there. And um, they're like, okay. And they gave me all the time that I needed to to not be there. And it was a pain in the ass because I lived in Bushwick with a friend who I met at Home Size. And mm-hmm. she was living in New York at the time. She just moved back to Texas. Hi, Danny. And um, so it was nice to have that little piece of home or familiarity when I was when I was there that first year. Yeah. Um, but we lived in Bushwick. And so taking the L train in the middle of the night was really hard because... Most of the time it wasn't running. And if it did, it wouldn't hit all the stops. And it took a really long time to get home. And somehow I kept the job over the summer. But I had gotten a really incredible deal in Chelsea. And I I kept the job. And it turns out that that restaurant was right around the corner from my apartment. So I could walk there in five minutes. And I did not know that I would end up at that uh, in that room, you know. So I I felt pretty taken care of that second year, but it was really cool to figure out how to live in New York. And like, I felt like I didn't have heating the first year. Oh God. Or I, or we did, it just wasn't in my room or, I mean, I slept on the floor. Like I didn't have a bed Mm -hmm. that those first couple of nights. And 
It was rough. And like trying to bring all my stuff from Austin that I like thought I really needed and like schlepping all of that stuff. And on the subway, I love the subway, but like when you have a shitload of stuff and I'm wearing like dresses and coats on coats because the winter's coming and Mm -hmm. I want to look cute. Like I wore my, I had all my shoes and everything that first year. And I was like, this is too much. Like you can't do this. I mean, people do that in New York, but not when you're like, just there temporarily like right. you can't I can't have like my outfits matching in my sh- cute shoes like on that second year I was like sweats and like Adidas and I'm good and it felt nice to be comfortable living living like that is like such an education because it kind of like teaches you that you know, we talked about like wanting to thrive there but that lesson right there is teaching you survival yeah so, you know, like if you have to move somewhere, like, you know, there are things you don't really need. You know what you do need. You know, you can survive in a cold space. You know, you can survive on the floor. You know, you can find a place, <laughs> find people, find yeah. work and stuff like that. But like, but you don't know it until you <laughs> tried all the other things or you, right. you know, like you fall into that by default. Like, oh, this is the only thing that that works or right. this is the only thing that like isn't killing me right now. Yeah. It's like you, for like anything in life, the only way you really find the right thing to do is by exhausting all the wrong options. Yeah, that you've already done. Exactly. That you've already done. It's like, the fuck didn't I learn this already? Yeah. I do want to ask a bit about the Tataroff stuff. Yes. Do you mind if I reset this up Let's do it. Okay. So I want to ask you about um, the uh, experience, like, What's Tom Todorov's approach to acting? So Tom is a self-made man. Um, he's got a lot of talent and, and intelligence and heart and has worked his way through, like being turned away from Juilliard because they're like, boy, you need some speech. Mm-hmm. You need to get into some speech classes to like, a few years later, people from around the world are calling him to be a speech coach for professionals on set because he worked his ass off. Mm-hmm. He's the kind of guy that, like, if you tell him he can't do it, he will become the best person at doing that. Um, so that's really enticing to be around somebody like that. Um, for me, not really having to work for anything. And, like, I think of, like... Like my teenage years and my early 20s was like doing my best to get away with doing the least work. Right. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, I'm really, I really only cheated myself. You know what I mean? Like, Mm. I don't know why I thought that was cool. So I needed to be in an environment um, like that. So learning about Tom in that first workshop before doing the one week intensive in New York City and then eventually becoming part of his two-year acting conservatory. Um, I was really excited about working with him because the first book that we had to read was called, or it is called, The Four Agreements. I love that book. So to go to an acting school and that being your first text that you had to read, Mm -hmm. that's fucking awesome. Yeah. I'm like, this isn't about acting. It's about living. Right. So that's his approach is living. Um, 
not not pretending mm-hmm. and, and not going along with or not doing your best to get away with not doing the work. It's about doing the work and living your most authentic life, your most authentic self. <clears throat> so he has worked with incredibly pe- people from around the world. Um, and we get this awesome list of, of reading that we need to do and recommended readings. So his principle is he works with the 15 guideposts um, that was created and written by Michael Shirtliff. Okay. That book called Audition. Audition. Yeah. Yes. I've got it in there. Dude, so cool, right? So yeah. what's the relationship? What are you fighting for? And then a whole bunch of others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think Michael <clears throat> did the original 12, and then Tom was like, you know, I have a couple too that I think would be very useful. And Michael saw them and was like, cool. I will uh, sign these off and we can make them 15 guideposts, which is really cool. So it's doing that. I think Tom isn't a fan of one type of studying because Mm. it's kind of like, why would you limit yourself to only doing one kind of thing when you can learn about a whole bunch of different things and then find what works for you and put that in your tool? Tool belt, toolbox. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it, the, the main things are the 15 guideposts. That's his approach to acting. Okay. Yeah. So, like, breaking down the script. And, yeah. Right. And, and, and you know, and everything that you need is in the script, right? All the given circumstances. Mm-hmm. When So, he was in town a couple of, of weeks ago, and I sent out invitations to 100 people. You were one of them. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it's so cool to see him help actors break shit down. And a lot of the times, and I'm part of this too, is we can read something and we can we can perform it um, or we see other people work on it and we miss so many things that are in the text. Right. But Tom is so knowledgeable that he's like, okay, that sentence informed the what the whole scene is about. Right. So if we skip that, then we're not going to get what this is about. If the actor doesn't get it, the audience isn't going to get it, mm-hmm. right? And it's just like, it's, it's something that I think in every class that I've sat in, it's like mind-blowing that like you can, he can hear this thing once and be like, okay, you missed that thing. Like, how come you didn't do anything about that thing? And it's like, oh. so when an actor goes up to work with him, I, I for the most, for the most part, he, you know, he'll do things where it's um, cold reading and kind of like cold reading competitions, not competitions, but like, like, okay, these three, these three um, sets of actors are going to do the same thing. And then we have to vote for who's the person that like, who, who, who was the storyteller? Like, who's the one that gave us all of the information that we needed and had us feel certain feelings? And, like, so that's a way that he's, like, be a producer in the room. Like, who's the one that is telling the story? Who's the one that sells it, if you will, for lack of a better phrase? Um, so we get to vote on who's the one that did it. Just right. repeating myself at this point. Um, so those are all cold reads. But if, if you're working with Tom, you're given text or you can bring your own text 
Um, so you've been working on it, but it's amazing how many times you can go over something and then not really get it. And, mm-hmm. and some of these scenes aren't written by our world's greatest writers. Yeah. Because a lot of it is for what's <laughs> happening in TV right. now. And it's like, okay, how do we approach this work um, that we're given when we go through the 15 guideposts? Um, and that we work with like Tennessee Williams or Arthur Miller or um, um, I love Arthur Miller. I also love Neil Simon. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, those aren't they're not writing our TV scripts right now. So we have right. to break things down. And and um, and there's also that little bit of like. There's also a little bit of like finding out like what you would do versus everybody else. Right. So, like, how do you make your audition stand out? Right. Right. How, like, how can you make it more personal, kind of? Sure, yeah, yeah, personal, absolutely. But, like, you know, these casting directors are seeing the same stuff. Right. Actor, after actor, after actor. And they have to say the same things. Like, I always find myself feeling for the person that's either behind the camera taping the audition or sometimes, you know, for callbacks, the directors are there for the most part. And it's like, they have to say the same stuff over and over again. Okay. You're going to start like yesterday I was in an audition. They're like, you're going to start from stage left. Okay. And then you're going to walk over here. You're going to deliver these lines and then you go to stage right and you're going to look. And it's like, how many times did he say that today? (laughs) That's annoying, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the cool thing about working with the conservatory is we're getting classes in Alexander technique. Uh, give me a little, so I know a little bit about, it's a lot of, uh, posture to relax your body, right? Right. It's learning. It's, it's how you use your body and how our body is. I don't want to say the word supposed to be used, but how our body is meant. Use your body the way it's meant to be used. Right. So we had classes like full day classes where it's like, how do you sit in a chair? How do you get up out of a chair? And Mm -hmm. over the years, we put so much stress on our body Mm -hmm. and how we move our body. And it's like... There's a lot of unlearning that we need to do. Because you develop bad habits to protect yourself and, you know, hold on to things. Absolutely. Right. Um, So we got to work with um, Alexander Technique, and then there was dialects, and then there's speech and voice, and where your tongue hits your mouth, and and vocal warm-ups, and Shakespeare, and... I mean, we did so much stuff that I, like, didn't even know existed. Did you ever have to do exercises where you uh, speak from, like, a different part of your body? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you want to hit all of the resonators, right? Right. It's amazing how saying the same line can change if you're saying it from your nose Mm -hmm. as opposed to if you're saying it from your crotch. Yeah. And it's audible. Like, you can totally tell it. Yeah, and the intention is different. Right. Everything about it is different. Um, we took classes, we took like Broadway dance classes and we took, um, movement classes. We had to learn like the different levels of, of being drunk and moving like that. What's, I don't think I ever got that one other than a director just saying, you know, you can't find your center of balance. I'm like, I feel like there's a little more to play on Yeah, I mean, so I was watching something last night and and these uh, actors were drinking and I was like, 
they're drinking really fast and I didn't see anything change in mm. their behavior. I mean, like I have one sip and I'm already like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> comfortable, very comfortable. Uh, so it's really just like, okay, one through 10, like where are you in your drinking mm. and in, in, in that phase of drinking and how long have you been drinking and, and what was your like state before you started drinking? Right. right. Like, are you going to be a happy drunk? Are you going to be a sloppy drunk? Are you going to be an angry drunk? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we worked with the Rasas. Um, so that's uh, with the same, um, that was with the same teacher and we would, um, so it was like, okay, this is this part of the room is 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 the 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 part of of wonder and like how would you move and we'd have like pictures on the ground and we wouldn't imitate it but we would like we would feel the pictures or or angry or serious or warrior and like all of these just different ways to use your body mm-hmm. and your voice and your intention and there was just a multitude like I really I have all of my journals with all of my notes and I say to myself like oh I'm gonna get back to that and and look it up over my stuff because there's just so much that I learned right you know so much did you do any uh stage combat we did stage combat yeah yes we did so what kind of stuff did you cover in stage combat can I tell you the first thing we had to do in stage combat was learning how to fall and it freaked me out why (laughs) (laughs) i fall a lot but um i was really scared i was really scared to fall backwards oh yeah i don't know it like it really like i was crying about it Mm. there was something there i don't know why i was so vulnerable about it and I finally did it, and I was like, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> but there's something so scary about falling backwards. I don't know. I don't I don't know. Um, we got to work with um, knives and daggers. Yes, yes. Oh, those I'm were sure my we did, like, I'm sure we must have done, like, a handgun. Maybe we mm. didn't. Or maybe we saw, like, this is what you could do. Right. But it was a whole bunch of, like... We'd have to walk, we'd partner up with somebody and you'd have to, um, like we, it was all of these like combinations of, oh yeah, dagger, dagger, like fist, fist, uh, like block this, that. I know the dagger one I learned was uh 12 point Taiwanese knife fighting Wow. where it's like, uh, there's one that was like, whoosh, whoosh. you like rip the jaw off. There's one oh where you go to gosh. the ribs and go, whoosh. Like, um, our, my stage combat teacher, he used to be like special forces or green beret or something. So he like actually knew how to kill people. Um, but we were learning it in terms of acting. Mm -hmm. So doing it safe. So we learned a bit of, uh, um, judo, like throwing people. And that also helped with knowing how to fall without hurting yourself. Um, we did, uh, one day with handguns with like blanks. Um, we used like a big fucking revolver and i've shot guns before growing up out in the country but no handgun has ever kicked (laughs) like this thing went bam oh my gosh Uh, like they had to move your face um and then a lot a lot a lot of emphasis on uh sword play rapiers do you do uh i don't think we did that no 
That's that's exercise. How how what is the size of a rapier? Um, three musketeers' sword. No, we didn't do that. Yeah, it's that little thin one that kind of wobbles oh, okay. a bit. Okay, no, um, like fencing. Like fencing. Oh no no yeah, no no yeah. no 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 no. Although fencing is a little bit thinner, it's more wobbly. Okay. But these are, um, it's about like that wide and then it goes off to a point lots of stabbing it's mostly stabbing thing and then you've got a pommel and a hand guard and you have to like crouch down and hold it out the whole time and it's not light oh my so gosh i mean even exercise. just like putting your hands out like this do you remember how you had to do that in grade school for a little bit oh yeah you had to do that in dance and it's like yeah whatever and like a minute later you're like oh my gosh yeah can i put my hands down now my arms so in in a and we did improv. Oh, tell me about course. improv. Improv, uh, so fun, just games. Was it like and clown a, work? Oh, you got we to do, do clown, clown work. Yes. Did you do clown suicide? I don't think we did clown suicide. Uh, it's where you try to kill yourself, but it keeps going wrong. No, you keep failing. No, <laughs> and I'm thinking of because we had to, you know, create a lot of our own things. Um, I don't think anybody did that. No, man, I got reamed for my clown work. Clowning's fucking hard. You got, I got were the teachers kind of um, intense, kind of mean, snappy. I don't think we had snappy teachers, but we had pros that were expecting a lot out of us. Right. And some I don't think we had I mean it was like if you didn't get there, the door was locked and we were fucked. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that was, I don't think that was like a teacher thing. I think that was a Tom thing. It was like, get your shit together and get yeah. on, get there on time. Um, we had fun teachers. I mean, everybody was fun and had so much to give. Um, legit, legit professionals. Yeah. So, but why'd you get reamed for clowning? So the clowning thing was really hard for me. So in my acting, I've had a lot of. The feedback for me, and I had this in college when I was just like tapping into it before, like when I was in California and a teenager and it was like, Giselle, you're too sure of yourself. You need to let go. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. Okay. But like, what exactly does that mean? And then, so for the clown thing, it was like, (laughs) the clown thing was like, you... Um, there's, I I think it was a little bit of the letting go and that I like wanted to be showy and that I wanted to perform Right. and like our teacher would be like, aren't you tired? I'm like, no, it feels good. Like I wouldn't surrender to something and that I wanted to like, it was, you you weren't being totally honest because you were, you, you wanted to be right or, or you wanted to kind of please somehow. Okay, so I mean, the pleasing, I'm projecting is, my the pleasing own stuff. is 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 a big thing, but um, I guess I just didn't want to be defeated. Yeah, I think is what it is, and I'm so good at like going along with stuff that if somebody tells me, okay, now do now run back and forth, and like, like I wouldn't just say like I remember her saying like, aren't you tired? I'm like, no, it feels good, but like we didn't, we couldn't. I don't think we were vocalizing. I think we had like sounds that we could do. Mm. Um, but I remember feeling like, so like, I'm not, there's only been a few times in my life with like a grade or a project where I'm like 
yo, what the heck is this? Like, these are all of the things that I did that like, I really fought for like my perspective. Mm -hmm. And that was the like one in during, that was the only time I did that with um, the two year thing where I, I was like, I don't understand why you kept telling me this and why, like, I was really emotional about it. Like, I remember, like, calling my husband and crying to him about it and, like, writing the teacher a super huge email about, I don't even know. I should, I probably have that email, so I should look into it. (laughs) And I just remember, I don't know, I think, I think part of it is that I tend to present myself in a certain way. And, um, what way it's more, I don't know if I can describe it. Um, amiable. No, 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 no. I think when I'm in a performance space, I want to be presentable. Right. And so I think a few times I've had people say, like, it's okay to be ugly. And I'm like, I know. But you still keep doing the the thing? Not really. I mean, like, I can let go and I can get very ugly. And I'm not afraid of that. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's interesting. Like, who's telling me that? So, um... Like, I'm not afraid of ugly. I've got so much ugly. (laughs) Like, I don't think that's a bad thing, you know? Is it sometimes that maybe the person telling you is sort of maybe they're missing something? Oh, I guess that's a possibility. Um, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I think... I don't know. I think I, I, I keep picturing like me in a dress and like heels and lipstick and like walking a certain way is like the way that I can describe when they're like acting. Is it that like, it's like acting, you're but acting it's instead like, of being, mm, it's not quite that, but it's, I think it's just like a role that I've given myself in my life. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it's since like, I don't really. I don't know. I, I think it's like a confidence thing um, or like a, I think I'm special in certain ways. So I play that up. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe with the acting and being thing, maybe it's like I'm get I'm ha- I'm allowing that to get in the way of what's really going on. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. 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 It's a comfort thing. I know I've got the same problems, too. I find like. M- challenges my challenges i think that's something i picked up with the conservatory it's like problems and challenges challenges one of my biggest challenges is uh the anxiety is just relaxing i know like i know (laughs) if i can get my body to just relax which is tough when it's going fucking nuts yeah like adrenaline's going crazy if i can just get my body to relax um then I I know I'll be able to to be, you know. Um, and then another thing, and part of the problem with not being able to relax relax is the fear that I'm not going to be able to do this 
right or do it well. I mm-hmm. don't know that I'll be able to like get there, mm-hmm. you know, that's tough. Yeah. And I wish uh, maybe this is just me being lazy. Maybe I could find the means, but I wish I had the means to get into a class to maybe help with that. Cause that's like, you know, <laughs> well, you know what you could do means wise is find a class where you can audit, you know, a lot of the classes are like hours and hours long right? in these places. Yeah. And, um, you can audit with the intention of wanting to take class. I mean, you, you want to take class. You just mm-hmm. probably don't know when you can. And there's info that you can pick up mm-hmm. that you could work. You could start practicing. Yeah. Some of those, those things, you know, that you pick up from there. The last class I was in kind of, I, I learned so much. It, it was definitely like a course correction. Uh, I took a Meisner class mm-hmm. and I'd studied Meisner before and I knew I needed like a course correction. Um, and I did get that, but, um, it's, I, I know that I didn't do as well in that class as I know I can. And as I know right. I've done. And why is I, that? I didn't feel entirely, um, for lack of a better word, safe. I didn't feel sure. entirely comfortable. It was kind of like a, okay, act. Um, the instructor, I'm not going to name names, but a lot of yelling. Um, I mean, and the that's last, just like, the last how class, are you going to... I know, I didn't feel um, safe. I didn't feel like, yeah, I had that like safe, secure mm-hmm. space to, you know, actually let go sure. and get to a point where uh, my world... Co- flips over, you know, character wise, um, or, or you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, this was like, okay, act. And, um, like the last Meisner class I took, like the teacher, I, I loved it. And that's, uh, it was extremely formative for me. And at the beginning of every class, he always took a few minutes for us to just like, um, meditate. Yes. And very important. Get a grounded, get in Absolutely. space. And he would say the same thing at the beginning of every class. He'd said, say, this is a safe space. There's nothing outside of this room. No world outside. Time doesn't exist. You don't have to be anywhere else. And your schedule, your worries, that doesn't exist anymore. All there is setting you is up for success right there. What's right here in this room. Yeah. In the, the more recent so class, we didn't get that course correction. Yes, because I was uh, falling back into some uh, young man Prior, habits, of, of, habits. Act, right, sure. of, of acting, mm-hmm. you know, uh, of just acting and not being observant and just trying to perform. Um, and definitely it, I, I was in this class for four months um, and I, I did enjoy it. Oh, no, no, this is the one before. No, no, no. The this recent the, one, okay. the one that I considered like my course correction uh-huh. and also... Um, I also had to check my, uh, my intentions because I was kind of hoping like maybe I can get into this class and meet some people and start getting some short films and actually start getting some work. Yeah, for and sure. It's like, that can get distracting. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I've been there. Yeah. So I didn't really, yeah, this instructor didn't really take the time at the beginning of class to like really set up that, that grounding, yeah. you know, space. So that was kind of difficult. And like, my hands started shaking more than I've ever shaken before. I mean, I've had fucking panic attacks, but I've never 
Wow. I mean, I've been able to hold a cup and not do this. Yeah. And I was doing that all of a sudden. Um, That's one and, thing. And that instructor, they could see it. And I had talked to this person um, before getting, before being accepted into the class, talked awesome. about like. These, this is what's going on. Right. In my, your life. My, my life and where I've been, like my experience thus far. And I could tell that they knew what I am capable of. But they didn't know how to tap into that. I think they did. It's just the approach didn't necessarily work for me. And so, the, kind of like so a, if it doesn't it work, kind of, then their job is to find another approach, right? Or you find somebody else that can do it. This person kind of yells yeah. and snaps. And, you know, I don't think that's a great way. I mean, way we to, had like, I'm sure that is not a great way. And, you know, no. going and, back and, to and my upbringing like tries to and take how like a, I raised my child. I, right. Someone tries to take like a tough love approach. It's like, fuck you do not yeah. talk to me in that tone. Yeah. Like treat me with some fucking respect. Absolutely. Like I'm giving you respect. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm in those 16 months that I was in school. I'm, I'm sure we had like one or two times where a teacher was like, just couldn't take it, whatever. Yeah. And, but like, you know, we're human. We do that. But I mean, that wasn't the approach to the teaching at all. Like, for example, there'd be like someone who had never acted before. And it's I mean, yes, it's frustrating to see someone. It's like, oh, this is excruciating because it's the thing with acting is it's so fucking easy. But the hard part is figuring out how fucking easy it is. <laughs> Just getting out of your way, out yeah. of your way, out of your That's way. That's all it is, is That's getting it. out of your way. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's the easiest fucking thing. Just get out of your way. Dude. Um, and then watching someone who's never done it before and being someone who has some experience, it's yeah. like, you just want to yell. And then this instructor would be like, no, no, don't fucking blah, blah. You know, it's like, I don't, this isn't, this feels like abuse. It feels it, like you're taking your shit out on us. Absolutely. So that's kind of what it was. Like. So that was your last time being in a class setting. Yeah. About a year and a half ago. Okay. Yeah. But I, I learned a lot, and, and I definitely <laughs> understand what you're talking about with auditing. You learn yeah. just as much, if not more, yeah. watching other people. Yeah. Um, if you're an actor, highly recommend the book Audition by Michael Shirtliff. Mm -hmm. um, I got mine at Half Price Books. Love Half, Half Price Books. Also, I mentioned The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Oh, so good. So do you know in order what they are? I don't know what they are in order. I do. I've, I actually, I read the book and it inspired me so much that I, I wrote them out. Awesome. Um, so it's number one. And I've got one. them pinned on the wall at the foot of the bed. Um, Can you, what, what's number one? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you don't want to tell them? Well, yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I just wanted to know what number one was. Number one is be impeccable with your word. Number two is. Is it always or no, do your no, that's the same thing. Never. Um, number two is, well, I had it before. Sorry. Never it's make assumptions. Never make assumptions. This is number two. Awesome. Number three, don't take anything personally. Personal. And then number four. Always do your best. And your best will change from Every day to day. day. Yeah. Yes. Whether if you're sick, healthy. <laughs> and the, the point of the four agreements is to live a life with needless suffering. Right. We all put all the suffering on us that we don't need to have. Without needless suffering. Yeah. 
It's very much like Buddhism or so many other things. And it's uh, Don Miguel, I think it's the Toltec wisdom. Yes. Right? Yeah. So it's very simple. Read those it. Are, those are very simple ways. It's, sim- it's simple to say it. Right. But we've, with all the conditioning that we've had mm-hmm. um, growing up in society. Yeah. It's, it's, um, a lot of work, but it's doable and it's rewarding. And I was sharing with my daughter. And so sometimes she'd be like, mom, you know, don't take things personal or be impeccable with your word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a quick read. I read it's it in weeks. Oh, it it's was so, so healing. Yeah. And so he talks about how to live your life. Um, honest. Not honest, but don't live other people's expectations. And because when we are born, we're not born. We don't choose. We don't have any choices for ourselves. We don't choose our family. We don't choose our language, our religion, our name and where we're born. Like all of that is given to us. Mm -hmm. And so at what point in your life can you become your own person? And so that was so healing. And I called my parents right away and I was like, guys, I'm going to send you this book. Read it. It's so you were that person, but if yeah, you read it, if you read that book, it's like you become that person. It's like you got to read this. Oh, I buy extra. Have you heard the word? Oh my gosh, <laughs> I buy extra and will like hand them out to people. It's yeah, it's so important. Read it. Read it. My, you can get it at the library if you don't want to buy it. My favorite thing about studying, constantly studying acting, is I've always said this from when I started freshman year of college. Is when I started getting into it. Cool. Acting, learning how to act is learning how to human. Yo, yes. Next time Tom comes into town, mm-hmm. it's about being a human being. That's what acting is. It's being I'll definitely a professional audit. human being. I'll definitely audit. If I can't afford the thing, I'll definitely audit. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Well, I think our time's up. <laughs> you got anything you want to plug? Your social media, your husband's, anything? This weekend, I don't know when this will be available. Um, this will come out like Sunday night. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, gosh, you know, I'm at the point of the year where I'm starting to calm down with all of my projects, which is really great because the last two years I was working and rehearsing and doing plays and um, it's hard around the holidays. So now I'm home and um, my daughter is just wrapped up um, doing one play, the one act play, the UIL, her and her school won their the championship for their school zone. And she's been in rehearsal for the school musical. So she's busy, so I'm there for her. And then my husband has just been getting ready for East, which is the second uh, weekend it has just happened, which would be tomorrow and... The next day, uh, Saturday, Sunday, 23, 24. The, the East Austin the Studio East Austin Tour. Studio Tour. But um, he has work up at Volcom Garden, which is on East 6 and um, Waller. So he did this really cool project with some of his best friends. And the show is called Paper Telephone. And it's five of them. And what they did was they, they created a piece of artwork and then sent that to the next person. So everybody did that and sent it to the next person. 
And they didn't draw on top of each other stuff like he's done with other friends, but they just created their own their own rendition of what that is. And it's all very different and all very beautiful. Um, so that's up, Paper Telephone. Um, I th- don't know how long, so check that out. And then holidays are here. Be kind to each other. Um, if you got anything extra, give it to the homeless. Blankets. Ooh, I read somewhere. If you like, so I'm kind of purging and going through my garage and I, we have a big garage and I want to make that a like acting slash a dance studio with mirrors <laughs> and I want to get a piano in there. Um, but this is really great for women. If you need to get rid of any of your bags, put uh, feminine products in there and maybe some snacks and some wipes and you can just hand the purse to homeless women. Um we're, we're out of town this week, but volunteering is really awesome during the holidays. What else? Um, what it, should we do in our lives? How uh, can we help others? <laughs> you could help me uh, keep this show running and yes. making it better and better by donating via my Patreon account, which is at patreon.com slash that thing with James. Um, it's, you can donate like as little as like a dollar a month if you want. Um, all the money goes toward somehow making this show better and better, better gear, whatever else. Patreon.com slash that thing with James. If you have a uh, story or subject you'd like me to cover on the show, if you need some advice I can cover on the show, if you just want to say hi, send me an email at that thing with James at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. My handle is at James J. Asher. And, um, oh yeah, my Instagram is <laughs> the good shop. I like to take pictures so you can see them there. You guys, I was at an audition a couple of weeks ago and there was a seven and 10 year old talking about what their Instagram was. Oh my God. <laughs> and then I just said it right now that I, my Instagram is this. Uh, yeah. That's the world we live in now. Yeah. I don't let my daughter have social media just yet. Yeah, I wouldn't. If Why? I were a parent. I mean, yeah. it's hard in our, like... We grew up what, without it. Which is great. Yeah. But in our business, we have you, to have you it. You have to have it. I, I wish I didn't need it. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't know. have it. But, you know, I've met some incredible people on there. We have, yeah. like, incredible family friends now that we met on Instagram. That's great. What up, Milena? What up, Scotty? New York, Brooklyn? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... Subscribe to this show, YouTubers. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, like the videos you like. Write a comment. And for all of you, please share the show with your friends. Uh, and uh, that's it. Thank you so yes. so much for returning. I, I we love can do this. this all day. I know. We really I, can. I know. I wish we didn't have to. Wrap I want to like be a little bit more specific with some of the things. Um, so that's maybe we could put a pin in it. You can return sometime. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Thank you, Giselle. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Holy moly, how did it turn 228? I don't even know. I, I-